0: Hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome to a new episode of the show. Today's show is, I promised to experiment with some formats, and today's show is a new format. It is something I have done a long, long time ago, but something that hasn't been a part of the regular show flow for some time, and this is a Q&A with a student. This student is a recent graduate. And I found, A, the conversation really inspiring and interesting because um, hearing what, questions uh, students and people who are entering the creative industries or uh, or entrepreneurship have was inspiring and cool. But what I found is that this is really, really applicable. You don't have to be a student going into the first-time career that if you are interested in rebooting your career or entering a new discipline in the not-too-distant future, um, it was my hope to orient this conversation around value for You know, sort of either of those camps. Now, the student's name is Ewen Wong, and Ewen, as you'll learn, is just graduated from college, uh, and is like many of us. At any intersection, right, we get stuck. We want to, you know, do the right amount of planning, but you know, how do we plan from? You know, do we do this exercise from the couch? How do we put ourselves out there? Um, It is a, I think, an uh, in part inspiring, in part Uh, illuminating around the questions that he asks. And also, uh, you know, I think some of the answers that I'm, you know, was providing here have come from having this conversation over and over and over with all sorts of different, you know, different students of different backgrounds or people starting new careers. And it was fascinating to understand that there are a handful of very simple and yet effective prescriptions. So having heard these questions before uh, and tracked so many of these folks that I have originally had these interactions with over the course of many, many years and found out what advice worked and what didn't. So it's my hope that you will enjoy this conversation between yours truly and a student, uh, U.N. Long. Yuen, it's good to meet you. A friend, uh, or a friend of mine, rather, said, Hey, look, my daughter uh, has this really good friend, and he is interested in filmmaking and is entering the world, the work world here. I think you're leaving Boston College, and I was wondering if you'd talk with him. And I normally don't do this, but I was, I love this human that connected us. And so I'm more than happy to chat with you today. And I think a lot of what you're facing, or some of the questions that you may have, Uh, could be useful to those in the audience that are either seeking their first job or a new job, or obviously the the economy is in an uncertain state right now, and there's all kinds of variables. So I wanted to record our conversation and just let the world listen in on um, some thoughts that, you know, some questions you have, and I will try and be helpful. But I think a good way to start off is by you just giving, you know, 60 seconds of background on yourself. So go ahead and use this time to do that.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, I uh, appreciate that. Um, I know you mentioned uh, where I graduated. I think I want to make it clear it's Boston University. There's a little bit of a uh, okay. friendly rivalry with that, but uh, you know what? It's great. <laughs> we love that. Um, But yeah, so I appreciate you, Chase, for um, taking the time to speak with me. Uh, my name's Ewan. Uh, I recently just graduated um, from Boston University uh, in the School of Communications. So I actually studied a bit of film and advertising. And uh, I'm originally from like Singapore and New Zealand. Uh, My family lives in New Zealand now, but uh, like born in Singapore and uh, came to school in the US, to Boston. And uh, I mean, four years later, here I am out of the university life and uh, trying to get into the workforce uh, or or whatever my next steps are. Um, So uh, obviously, I think getting the opportunity to speak with you was something that I definitely didn't think I could, but Obviously, I think networking was is a big part of it. Um, it just so happened that a friend of mine's dad was connected to you, six degrees of separation, all that. Um, I think it's it's really really um, crazy to me still that uh, we get the chance to speak. But
0: nonetheless, well, let, I'm let, really let me glad. let me
1: interject something, and we'll start yeah. there. I think
0: what a, a first lesson is if you have these dreams and these secrets, and you don't put them out in the world. Mm people can't rally to help you. For example, if you, you know, if you were just going to go through all the traditional channels of, you know, looking in uh, on <laughs> Craigslist and it companies you thought might be hiring filmmakers or creators mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I think your options are so much more limited versus putting it out there in the world to your mm-hmm. friends, to your family, to your, I mean, I don't even know how my friend uh, I think you were, you know, visiting over there or something, and that you were willing to say in front of your friend's parents (laughs) that, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm pursuing filmmaking and I want to, or whatever, you know, again, I want to give you a moment to say a little bit more about what your interests are, but, you know, just right off the bat, that is, this is something I don't want you to ever stop, you know, Mm -hmm. continuing to put your dreams out there in the world and let people know who you are, what you're interested in. And just be open and available to, to gathering as much sort of data, especially early in the process, is super, super valuable. So, you know, intuitively, yeah. you're already doing something really, really well. Maybe you could move now on to talking a little bit about what your interests actually are and why, um, you know, how you develop those interests. And right. if you could snap your fingers and have your dream job, what would that look like?
1: I think that's a very interesting question. I think I've struggled with that answer to some degree because um, initially, like, I think for me, being a photographer, videographer is kind of like where I started, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I started picking up the camera, did a bit of photography, moved to videos, um, editing, like that whole thing. And for me, when someone asked me that, I think because also of my maybe, like, college education of learning about advertising and the marketing involved and just being someone who's been interested in business and not really like I think my end goal is not is that work for myself right like it's to have my own agency my own business whatever it is so I think my my dream job is to I think as simply put it which doesn't mean much but it's to do what I love every day right I think that's what I think internally I struggle with sometimes yeah. because it's easy to say oh i want to do what i like to do but to actually make take the steps and create a sustainable life where you actually are doing that and yeah. and and you get bored sometimes i i sometimes i think about oh what if i go somewhere and with this and then i get bored like am i gonna want to retract this and try something else like am i gonna be too far in to go backwards something like yeah. that but um i think I'm I would consider myself a pretty optimistic guy so I think that just helped me in my quest which is also why I think um, I was open enough to I think talk to your friend Mark about like my passions and me despite despite not having a lot of experience despite not me not having anything solid really going for myself um, yeah. I I actually believe I still have what it takes and it's, it's it's something that I related a lot to in your book I think in the first chapter of imagining, like something in me is really screaming that I still have something like it's, I have what it takes to do the work. I have what it takes to put my head down. But obviously um, the situation I am now is where like, I'm kind of like at this crossroads. I have all this opportunity available to me. Um, And it's scary, I think, because there's so much that it's hard to narrow in on one focus or to to just start and- How much like because like I think you talk about planning and action heavily, right um yes ninety
0: percent action ten percent planning
1: right, exactly so this so uh already the book uh, once I read your book, I was like definitely pushed me in the right direction, I'm definitely gonna be taking a lot of uh lessons into practice, but um I think one thing I did want to ask for sure was just like how important is narrowing down like what kind of work is exciting to me before starting the work itself because i think right. from um yeah. for me like i am interested in a lot of things i sure i like sure. I, got you. I got you i, I can take yeah. it from here okay i got sure.
0: you so this is a very common paradox right the paradox of i'm just getting started so i will do lots of things and if you ask me what i want the thing i want is to do whatever it is that you need done <laughs> You know, it's sort of like, if you come up against a client that, you know, like, Hey, I say, yeah, you're a young filmmaker. Great. Well, what do you, what do you focus on? Um, I focus on, you know, making money for clients that it could be <laughs> my first client for whatever. So there's this little dance that happens and I want to, you know, there's, this is a multivariant answer. So we're going to, I'm going to stake out a, a handful of different positions here and, and you, you can ask some questions about them, but just first off, you're not alone. This is a super common, I wouldn't even call it a problem as you, you framed it as an opportunity. Mm. Uh, it's very, very common to, and this is a paralyzer because you don't want to say, I only want to, you know, I only want to make music videos for hip hop bands, you know, and that have, you know, cars in them or whatever, just mm. something that's crazy narrow right. because you're, you fear that you're turning your back. Or I suspect you fear that you'd be t- turning your back on all these other opportunities if someone starts to know it. you went as the the guy who makes music videos for hip hop bands, that, you know. And, and so you you say, "Well, I don't want to say that because I don't want to get pigeonholed." And what I really want to start doing is making money with a camera. And at the risk of being slightly crude, uh, there's a funny you know video that's gone around the internet, <clears throat> which is a it's an X and a Y axis. And on the, on the Y axis, the up and down is the words F around and on the X axis is find out. And so if you chart this naturally, the more, you know, you go up the, the X axis or up the Y axis, the more you F around, Mm. you know, the more you find out. So these things end up being directly proportional to one another, which is something honestly, where people's career counselors, where their parents or their friends, people who don't know what's truly in your mind and your heart, they try and constrain how much you F around, which in turn limits the amount of information that you find out about yourself, about what your strengths are, about what your weaknesses are, about what your preferences are. So, you know, I think one of these little areas I want to I want to drive a stake in is at this point in, and I, I want to be also clear that that right now there's someone who has, you know, two kids and a mortgage and they're saying, oh, that's nice for Ewen but I can't, I can't afford that. And I think it's actually not true. I think everyone should listen to this advice if you're in a transition or you're starting out. And that is you need to, you owe it to yourself to F around until you find out things that truly interest you. And what that, what this looks like in practice is saying yes to a lot of different stuff saying yeah, it's if someone says hey do you want to you know I'm you know I'm I'm making a I got you know a friend of mine has a band and needs to make a music video are you willing to do that work for free or can you come help me cuz I'm going to make this video and, and yes should be the answer and you go there and you spend the time and the energy for you know low or zero pay and experiment now what i do not know your own personal situation and this applies to you or it also applies to a person who has a mortgage and two kids and a whatever you may need to be surviving in parallel. And whether you that you know, whether you have a, a stipend from your parents or from school or you have bills that need to get paid, creating a very simple way of paying those bills is foundational and is super valuable. Now, again, this may or may not apply to you, but I'm trying to make this as broad as possible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the things that I recommend is getting a job that has the minimum amount of emotional investment and the maximum return for every hour, and it turns out that waiting tables or tending bar or being a valet parking cars, something where there's tips and there's a lot of flexibility, those tend to be they have, they have the ability to make a minimum amount of money and say your rent is a thousand and say your living expenses are you know twenty five hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. do not seek to make $8,000 with this side job. You should seek to make $3,500 with that side job. So you've got Mm -hmm. your bases covered and a little bit to live on. And Mm -hmm. if you can do that in 17 hours a week or 23 hours a week, that is an advantage. So find a way to make your base expenses covered. Again, this is the same for Ewen who's just graduated from Boston and same for someone else who is, trying to transition into a new career. Once you have that basis, and again, this may not apply to you, doesn't actually matter for our example here, that gives you the required freedom to experiment because if you do not have those, your, your basic, you know, f- basic necessities covered, it makes it very, very hard to experiment. So let's assume that for some reason you you've got that covered, And now you go, now we go back to that sort of the other stake that I was sticking in the ground for you, which is Mm -hmm. saying yes to as many things as possible. I have heard many a story of someone who I wasn't sure that I wanted to do that. I said yes. And then, you know, I got a chance to be a, a production assistant on a Hollywood film and, you know, at first, sure, I was running and getting the stars, you know, getting coffee for the producer, getting, you know, running and picking up donuts for the, you know, showing up before everybody else and going home before everybody else. But you know what, it really taught me a lot of what it was like to be on set in, you know, Los Angeles making films. And from that perspective of a PA, when I was getting paid 200 bucks a day, I got to see what the director did, what the talent did. And, And you just get to create you know a little bit of the 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 constellation of knowledge that you need in order to make your next step and so the way i would summarize this is trying to f- see the whole staircase hey when what do you want to be when you grow up shit that sounds like that's a very hard thing to say right now therefore great do a lot of things until and then you start pulling on the threads of the things that are interesting to you which takes me back to another stake i'm going to put in the ground this goes back to telling people your dreams and what you're interested in, and developing a network of people who are like minded, because that is the network from which you will get all of these different opportunities. Either the opportunity to speak with me here, the right. opportunity to volunteer, or to get paid 200 bucks on a Hollywood set, the opportunity to, you know, work as a, uh, you know, as an entry level um, PR person at a, you know, at a firm in Boston. Right. I'm not here to tell you specifically the things and I don't think it's a good use of our time to noodle down too much but sampling tasting a lot of stuff should be your primary objective at this point
1: right right no that's that's definitely that's definitely something that I've tried my best I think to uh, experience as much as possible while in school um, and obviously out into uh, to now Um, I I mean for example just just to put it some into context like i made at an effort, I think, when I came to the US for school that I would try as much as possible, because I think I had a a reason for coming in the first place, which was that America, the US has just a big market, huge opportunity. like I think yes. way more than smaller countries and stuff like that. So for me, like getting the chance to take concert photos um, for, for artists that would otherwise never have come to New Zealand uh, is is like, Breathtaking! It's it's amazing. I, I'm glad I had that opportunity, and likewise with sports and um, just like any kind of opportunity that I saw, I I it up. I tried to do it. I tried to do fashion shoes Tried to yep. do everything. So, um, obviously, like I have a bit of a, a a touch on that, but also I think one thing that I think I struggled with, especially coming through the education system of university, yep. I think um, it definitely changed my perspective on things a little bit, it got me a little bit indoctrinated in a sense of like what, like what I'm supposed to do when I come out of school. I yep. think it was, I don't think internally it was ever my reason to get like a nine to five job, sit in an office. I don't think I'd ever want that, but at the same time kind of coming out of the university now, that seems like my next step. That seems like what I should be doing. Or even, or even like doing the minimal of like surviving, right? Like yep. getting something, something going first before I, uh, yeah, try and explore something so called crazy or like something that's ha- much harder to achieve. Um, so I don't know, like how, like what do you think In your when particular, going through these things? Yeah. True.
0: Sure. In your particular experience, again, I don't think it is valuable for us to do a deep dive on your exact circumstances, but if, and it's fine if your parents are willing to pay for you to experiment for some amount of time, you know, Hey, you got another year in the U S to, you know, we'll fund your room and board or something, whatever. That's great. And if not Mm -hmm. go to that, do that earlier thing, because when you, don't know where your next meal is from, or when you're going couch to couch, it's very hard to focus on your career. So Definitely. having some baseline level of stability, however you get it by hook or crook, having that is very, very important because not having it, the 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 opposite, the alternative is it just begins to greatly narrow your ability to dream. You know, go back to my four step process and creative calling, imagine design, execute, amplify. If you are wondering where you're going to sleep next week or next month, it's very hard to be in like dream zone, right? You right. need some sort of comfort to be in that ability to, to be in that sort of open-minded uh, you know, framework. So let's assume that you have that covered by one of those two methods, either your parents are funding you or you've got some sort of sustainable background, well, then I think that this and I will also say one last thing on that trying to spend as little time doing that to get your baseline covered to maximize your free time Mm -hmm. once you've done that and are simultaneously saying yes to everything you will start I believe very quickly to understand what you like and what you do not like for example if you took these PA jobs and by PA I mean production assistant you're on you know, you're willing to take the train to New York to, you know, work as a production assistant on a film, a documentary or whatever for, you know, low money, um, maybe even zero money at first because you've got this other sustainable job. But, you know, I don't want to get into a work for money or no money thing. That's I think that's also a little bit counterproductive. We can go there if you need to. But right. you will quickly realize, like, I don't want to spend four years getting people coffee or I don't want to spend two years getting people coffee. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that you can't be, you know, if let's just transit, say you're waiting tables and then you get in with the production company and their production company just got, they just landed a, you know, four different series from Bravo. And, you know, you started off as like, yeah, I'm going to go test this out. And you're a production assistant on location, you know, in New York. And they say, look, we can employ you for the next like nine months doing this. Well, what you've done then, if you can say yes to that, if you traded this waiting tables, which has virtually—I mean, it's everyone—it's good to wait tables to be in the service industry for a little bit because you get some perspective. Mm-hmm. But that gives you the ability to say no to that, and now you're officially working in an industry that you have interest in. Right. So, you know, you, and you're probably you're working more hours and making similar money than if you you know had a job waiting tables, but. Every day you show up, in addition to getting coffee, you're hearing the director talk, you're hearing the producers talk to the storyboarders, and the storyboarders are talking to the writers, and and you get exposure. Like right now, you're the guy with the camera, and you make videos, or you're the editor. But getting exposure to all these sort of peripheral jobs that are in the same industry, most people don't know that you can make an amazing living as an animator, as a visual effects artist, or as a... These are jobs that No career counselor says, you know what you should do? You should be a visual effects editor, you know, at the Skywalker Ranch and you know outside of LA. Like no one says that. And yet you can only discover those things by being around it. So if you can trade your waiting tables or parking cars job for something that pays you to be in the industry, you're essentially getting paid to learn and you're Mm -hmm. a sponge. And then what normally happens from there is you're like, Hey, I don't, I'm not into getting people coffee anymore. I'm pretty good at that. Now I've got that skill. Um, but what I want to do is I met this guy who is the gaffer. He's the gaffer on set and I'm just fascinated by that. So, you know, when you're hanging out in the, at the food tent, you know, between cuts or at the end of the day, you're like, Hey Gary, I'm really interested in um, and your, you know, your job and learning from you, do you have any recommendations And I might break into that? And it's like, oh yeah, sure. You know, a buddy of mine's working on a different production and, you know, he needs an extra set of hands. And so you could you know, be around the industry and do that. Or, you know, there's this great class at the community college. This is how I got started. So in, it's, it's a combination of building a network and seeing a lot of things because when you're on the couch mm-hmm. in front of your computer or, hanging out with people who are not actively pursuing the dream that you have, which is to be your own boss and to be in the creative industry,
1: right.
0: you, you, you're automatically limited to, you know, what you can search. And then once you search that thing, all you get is basically someone's right up on the internet about how to do it or what it's like to be it versus mm-hmm. standing there for 12 weeks watching what everybody on this set does. And you're seeing dozens, if not hundreds of different jobs. And so by putting yourself in an industry, and right now, as a lot of people are going like, God, I can't really afford 12 weeks to just, you know, and it's like, if you can't afford 12 weeks, it's sort of like, what's the price of school or what's the price of learning? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You might say it's expensive, but try ignorance. Ignorance is very expensive. And Mm -hmm. I would say a similar answer to someone who's like, I don't want to really sink 12 weeks to, you know, to discover my next thing. And it's like, then you're thinking about it the wrong way. You have to be willing to taste a lot of things and you can't taste something in a weekend. Right. Maybe you can taste and it can make you want to do it. And you go from a weekend to a week to 12 weeks, but being willing to just dip your toe in and say yes to more opportunities that are in or adjacent to an area of interest to you is critical. So have right. you done that? Have you have you had any opportunities or can you say, you know, you mentioned photography and I keep talking about filmmaking, so I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be irrelevant. Yeah. Um, can you give me any more information other than what you have? And have you any experiences like the ones that I'm sharing with you right now?
1: Um, right okay so I guess for me um, a lot of the things I kind of started by myself which is just something that I think given the fact that I picked up photography and the creative uh, like videography like just from scratch like yeah. like with, with friends just taking photos and just going YouTube YouTube University that whole yep. thing um, I just like felt like a lot of the things I wanted to do I had to do myself for some reason mm-hmm. yeah. um so like my personal projects of like okay for example I wanted to make an Under Armour ad so okay. I, I went out got my friends recruited them made a little storyboard mood board did the shots edited it. so I did I did basically a lot of the different roles that I guess would typically be done with multiple people in a bigger set or whatever but also yep. I guess like with school jobs maybe working for the athletics department and uh, getting to see like uh, the main videographer, what he's capturing um, versus what, maybe as like a second shooter or uh, whatever it is. I think as much as opportunity I've tried to uh, go out and get for myself, I think it brings me to one of the questions, um, which is, I think you wrote about this, Richard Branson said to you, opportunities are like buses, there's always another one coming. Mm -hmm. And you said you always need to be ready to catch that bus. Yes. Um however I think especially maybe in a situation like now, I think a lot of people maybe like for me, fresh out of college, I'm looking for this bus I'm looking for this bus to come, right? I'm 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 I my bags are packed, I'm ready, but somehow that bus is like passing me. How do you kinda stay determined in that is sure. it just faith or sure, like, no no you, you this hmm. is
0: this is the difference between this is a, a very good question. And I want it makes me want to be extra clear. Like looking for the next bus is exactly what I'm talking about by being out in your world and being active in it. Mm. An example of you're not going to see another bus if you're sitting at home on your computer hoping. Like hope is not a strategy. Right. right? This this participating in the community. Fast forward to the the fourth part of creative calling, which is. You know, arguably the the bit about community, amplifying who you are, what it is you want to do, putting all this stuff out there. It is by being in the world, by taking action, saying yes to things you might not otherwise say yes to, that you're going to see more buses. When you're on set, that example that I gave you with the Bravo show, what you're just looking at is you're basically at a bus depot because there's buses going left and right. And, And when you're sitting there in the middle of this production, You get to see, you know, the visual effects director, the, you know, all these different pieces that are coming together. Each of one of those, if you think of them as a bus, they may be a bus that you, well, maybe you can't get on that exact bus because they're not hiring or whatever, but you know what that bus looks like, what it sounds like, Mm -hmm. and you start to be able to recognize it. And it may not be available, you know, this particular one, but I promise there is another one coming. And once you've been able to see what they look like and what they sound like, you're a lot more you know, a lot closer to catching one if you want to catch it in the future. So hope is not a strategy. The way that you expose yourself to as much as many buses as possible is to be out there in the world. And what I find this is a there's a, a fine line I want to walk here because I often give advice which is um I would say counterintuitive. And this is, I'm going to flag this with a little asterisk. This is counterintuitive. This should not mean that you are not working on your own stuff. And here's what I mean. The typical path to become a successful commercial photographer in general, I'll use commercial photography, high end commercial photography is to work for, you know, go get your skills, uh, work for somebody else for long enough so you can see what it looks like, then start to do your own stuff on the side and then phase into doing it full-time and then phase into hiring an assistant and then hiring a set, you know, it's basically, it's a very, it's a natural transition. Now what's where the counterintuitivity comes is that I didn't do any of that. I never assisted for another another day, a person, not for a day in my life. I basically did what you're talking about is I taught myself all these different skills. I did them poorly at first um, including, you know, sales, I started, you know, doing work to anyone who would pay me a dollar to, to, you know, make money with my camera. And I would say yes to, I'd go shoot someone's, you know, a bunch of landscapes of a city for a law firm. And for very cheap, I would photograph them, print them, frame them. So I'm making the frames in my, you know, in my brother-in-law's shop. And you know, learning how to do all this stuff because I had more time than money. That was my constraint, was not time. So I did all of these different things in order to get paid, you know, five hundred dollars for right. a picture, a frame, and whatnot. And I tried to do, you know, ten of those. And once I did ten, I would say, Hey, do you have any other law firms that you can introduce me to? Mm. And yeah. you know, so I did that for a while. And that I this is counterintuitive. The most normal path is to work for someone else in order to see this, but I would be being disingenuous if I you know said that that was the only path because my path, my personal path was different. it was I was willing to hustle and that's because I had a very low paying job that covered my expenses my wife my girlfriend at the time, now wife Kate was you know contributing in the majority of the income for rent and food, and mm-hmm. so I had. I had flexibility and I used up every bit of that flexibility rather than working for somebody else. Me going around and tasting like, I don't think I want to make frames for a living and be a professional picture framer. But Mm -hmm. now I know that skill. Now I actually know that I don't want to do that because basically trading my time for money. And you start to then look at, okay, what are other things that I can do that have higher ROI? Well, -hmm. I find that when I took a bunch of pictures for this law firm. The lawyers, the you know, the person who is in charge of you know their their decorator or whatever, who's like, oh wow, I love this kid. He's got a great eye. And that person had, then would connect me to a bunch of other people. And I realized that I got a lot more money if I would just you know if if I could sell them a photograph for two hundred and fifty dollars and the frame for fifty dollars. Well, gosh, the, the the best ROI there is the actual photograph. And it's not right. the framing part because I would do 10 mm-hmm. hours of work for a fifty dollar cut on the frame. So mm-hmm. versus I could go out in an afternoon and shoot a bunch of amazing black and white landscapes and essentially make you know two thousand dollars worth of you know work in one day. So mm-hmm. you, you realize this is the thing that and I speak to a lot of young people there's a desire to get it right from the couch, to know that from the couch, which is just not possible. You have to be out there actively doing a lot of things. And I I just want to be clear that that is another option. You've spoke early on about, you know, having, I have a belief that I want to work for myself and that Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, make stuff and cool. Get your expenses covered, make as much stuff in as many different industries for people that, you know, take on editing projects, put yourself yeah. around all this other stuff. Do what you can, even if it's not working for somebody else. What can you do to, to be hustling on the side? Go to, you know, our mutual friend Mark and say, Are there any projects that, you know, are in your, you know, creative, your, you know, your internal agency? Do you need a freelance second shooter? Does any, are there any you know creators in your studio that need you know that need support? Because I'm happy to do that as a freelancer, where I can go out and make 500 bucks a day or whatever doing that. So mm-hmm. those are t- very closely related to that sort of first you know overture that I was making about tasting a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Is even if you're tasting stuff, working for someone else, or tasting stuff, doing it on your own the whole selling piece is real. You have to be able to position yourself, sell yourself, talk about how your day rate and how much you're going to charge. And the only way you can get good at that is by repetition.
1: Right. Okay. Well, yeah, that's where it brings me to this idea of um, opportunity and kind of getting more from that, like outreach, right? Like um, you like you mentioned, like, for example, law firm and then from there it expands and your network sure. expands and, and, and more people find your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, how how important or how uh, did you find outreach, especially in the beginning, coming from someone who, like, maybe didn't assist, right? Like, you, you didn't have someone to guide you into the industry. You yep. kind of had to figure that out, like...
0: Sure. there's a lot. I did a lot of 80-20, and this is Pareto's principle, like, what can I do to put, put in 20% of the effort and get 80% of the results? Mm. Um, and so for a website, for example, one of the things that I could have done was learned how to this is you know 20 years ago, so the world right. was different, but learned how to code my own website and you know learned the you know the programming language, but I was pretty sure I wanted to be outside in the world taking pictures and not behind mm-hmm. a desk. so right. this is you know like the examples I gave earlier of deciding um, I want you should taste a lot of things. I knew early on I didn't want to do that. so it's sort of like if I would have known early on that I definitely didn't want to do framing. I would have outsourced the framing on day one. So I did a lot of these 80 20 things to get started. And I looked at what are the basics that someone needs to look at and say, that person has their shit together. That person can do a professional job. And I got those oriented very, very quickly. And that was, you know, have a website, have a, an Instagram profile, for example, that shows. The range of work that you do, and your, your, you know, your best stuff, or shows a lot of behind the scenes videos of you working, anything that can demonstrate um, that you have authority in the space that you are want, wanting to operate. So, I eighty twenty those again. I done by eighty twenty. I didn't learn how to code my own website. I did learn everything I could possibly learn about a camera because I was over, I was more attracted to the photography. So Mm. I studied photography. I studied the history of photography. I literally checked shit out of the library and read it cover to cover. I practiced loading film in the dark so I could do it with my eyes closed. I mean, I did all of those things that that was, I did that to 100 because I knew that was a sweet spot and I outsourced or took the shortcut Mm. on a lot of things that were not going to be absolutely core to what I knew I wanted to do. And another example would be if you're uh, a director and you want to, you know, putting together a director's reel is very valuable. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have more time than money, maybe it makes sense to edit it yourself because that's a very useful skill that's adjacent to being a director. Right. It's not being a director, being an editor and being a director are different things. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you aren't sure if you want to edit or you don't have money to hire an editor, great, then edit that director's reel yourself. But if you have some money from your other job or from, you know, your parents support or whatever, and you have an editing buddy, you can like pay your editing buddy a modest fee so that you can focus on the big vision of what it means to, you know, be the director on this thing. Mm -hmm. And so understanding all of these little nuances is what I did where I was convicted that I wanted to learn everything about it and where I didn't care about it and I could outsource it or do a minimum viable product version of that thing such that when someone looked at my shit from the external world, they were mm-hmm. like, that guy's got his stuff together. That guy knows what he's doing. I like his creative vision and I can assume that he's going to deliver stuff because he's delivered it for, you know, this law firm and you know, he's done, you know, this, right. you know, all this, he's done this fine artwork and he's, you know, worked on this production or whatever. And so you find a way to present yourself such that it gives other people who might be interested confidence to hire you. And that's all you do, by the way. Once you get hired for one thing, you point back, this is why doing a great job and being an amazing, joyful person to work with is worth its weight, its gold. It's as valuable as the work because people don't like working with assholes, no matter how good you are. Right. Word gets out. If you can be deliver good work, be a, lo- a joy to be around and like, that's going to get you that combination of those things is going to get you hired over and over. So once you over deliver for one particular customer, you need to make a case study or use those, you know, have your portfolio, but have a a, a body of work that you took out of that thing that you did such that when some, the next law firm comes along, you, get, you know, you, for example, take nice pictures of the final framed artwork in the law firm and right. get a testimonial from the interior designer who hired you to do that work like yeah. such that the next law firm comes along he's like oh yeah here's what i did for you know for this Lost firm and they're like oh wow that's great that gets you your next job this is why you over deliver this is why you take time and care and packaging the work that you have done so that yeah. other people can view consume and by extension believe more heartfelt in you know in in hiring you
1: right yeah no that's that's definitely that's definitely insightful i think like the idea of like over delivering and then kind of packaging it in such a way that you kind of show off yes. your skills, but like, and, and you sell it essentially to, to other people. I think yeah, that's and something best, that is not common. Clear the yeah.
0: best selling is when someone else is selling for you, which right, is why right. over delivering is super useful. And even not trying to pretend that you're a 20 person shop and not trying to pretend like letting that, The art director who's at that interior design firm is like, "Hey, look, I love to do this more than anything. This is a career I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna spend my life in the creative space. And you know, if if you feel comfortable and there are other people in your world or you have other jobs, I would love to be considered. Mm -hmm. Don't be a weirdo, and then put them on your mailing list. Next time you do a cool job, you know, say, um, you know, just set up a simple mailchimp for twenty bucks a month. It's like, hey, you know, here's you know, to my clients, these are the projects." I'm working on, I'm, I did these three law firms last month and this law firm example is going overboard here, but but like, you're, you know, I did three law firms last month and here's a personal project I'm working on, you know, whatever, you're just staying in contact with them through a variety of ways. And if this is where I will leave it up to you to know in your, because this is always changing, is the best way to do it through Instagram DMs or is the best way to do it through, you know, an email newsletter or is the like... I, I'm not here to prescribe that because that is always evolving. I would say yes and. Do it in all of them or whatever you, you feel like if you're getting a lot of people responding to your outreach and DMs. It's just like, hey, I wanted to share with you a project. Thanks for hiring me last month. You know, there's a cool thing I just did. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever the mechanism, just staying in contact with some th- them such. It's sort of like a subscription, right? If right. Netflix, what Netflix wants to do is keep adding new subscribers and add subscribers faster than ones are unsubscribing. And the Mm -hmm. same is true with clients. Like you want to continue to add clients faster than the ones that are not hiring you anymore. And then you have a body of clients to work with. And once you have a body of clients, then you can start saying, well, now I have too many clients, so I'm going to raise my prices. Now I have Mm -hmm. too many clients, so I'm going to, you know, cross these ones that were a pain in the ass to work with off the list. And when they call, I'm not going to say F off. You were a dick to work for. I didn't want, I'm never working for you again. You Mm -hmm. say, oh gosh, I'm just too busy. Or you might even say, I will do that job for five times. My normal rate is that what's going on between, I'll do that job for 20 grand. And they'll say 20 grand. You did the last one for, you know, for a thousand. You're like, yeah, I'm super busy now. Uh, I'd love to consider the work. And you're basically like ascribing a crazy price that you'd be willing to put up with their shit for Mm. and every once in a while they'll say yes (laughs) and you're like oh my gosh and then my new rate 20 grand so (laughs) you you know right these are but you can't do this without Mm. some clients that's why doing something is so much more important than doing nothing
1: right right that's definitely yeah yeah definitely I understand that I think um that's I think that's definitely the main thing I've 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 gleaned from the book and just from talking to you. Um, I think I've definitely been guilty of just kind of stagnating at a certain point. I think I there was a point uh, where I was like getting uh I was, I was finally getting some money from my from my passion right. I was mm-hmm. like whoa I can I can do this, and then I kind of got a little complacent with this kind of oh I'll take money for for whatever like sure. and I stopped thinking about what. I wanted to do personally, I think I think I stopped trying to explore that. And I think uh, it Yeah, I guess it's important for me, which, which, which you've definitely like said that, you just got to go on and keep and keep trying, keep doing, sure. sure. And, and would, eventually like to,
0: let me let me carve out another little um, area of interest where I find people m- make, hmm. uh, I think are, are less efficient than they could be and that is or that something they'll they'll take it to take a bus that takes them to a destination they don't want to go to as an example. Mm. When you get yourself in this position where your back's up against the wall and you will take money for anything, um, you can then start to only take money rather than make decisions that are in your interest of where you want to end up. And this is why this idea of either, you know, a financial buffer or um, the ability to stay focused on what you truly want mm. is let's just use the example of, you know, I wanted to be a commercial, you know, professional high-end commercial photographer. And yet you heard me give examples of when I, I would work, you know, I would shoot fine art, black and white images and sell them to law firms. Mm. I you know, <laughs> I only did this like three times, so I don't, (laughs) but, but what I did not do then was build a website that was in service of law firms shooting landscapes, because that would have been over indexing on just making money at the expense of the thing that I really wanted to do. So this is where, you know, being really judicious with how much effort you apply to something that, you know, you don't love in the long term. And I didn't know, again, I took pictures of the law firm, I made some money, I learned how to frame and have, you know, prints printed at the lab. And I learned all kinds of stuff. And when I learned originally, is like, okay, I don't want to do the frames anymore. I definitely don't want to sit in front of, in a dark room all the time. So I'm going to outsource that. I love the photography. So that was the thing that I then moved forward. Okay. So where else can I do in prioritizing photography? I did not then start taking weddings and uh, senior portraits and all these other things Mm. because, I wanted to spend as much time focused on, I started to learn like, Oh, I really do love this commercial idea. I want to, you know, I want to develop a very rich portfolio. So I kept my expenses low. I took money using a camera where I could and where it was applicable and leverageable. And I did not all of a sudden become a wedding photographer or become the the fine art photographer who sold prints to to... You know, which is a it's a it's a trap basically mm-hmm. that most people get sucked into. This is why, when we let's go back to the very you know first five minutes of our conversation, when I said, "Do you know exactly what you want to do?" and you're like, "No, I just I I, I want to work for myself. I want to be in the creative industry. I want mm-hmm. cool." So. It's through taking all of these actions that you will refine it, and by being around it, like I really love what Joey's doing; he's nailing it. If I could do something like that, this is why having mentors, whether you know them personally or not, and having people that you look up to, and 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 doing research, you know, uncovering, watching all this, uh, you know, videos on YouTube, whatever it is, to get inspired. Right. Don't get so inspired that you don't work, mm-hmm. but continue to what if you were guaranteed you could not fail? What would you do now? If you could snap your fingers and be the best in the world at anything, what would it be? These are actually very useful questions because they will help guide you apart from all of these practical concerns that we've been spending you know, the last 40 minutes on. These mm-hmm. are practical concerns that you have to do in order to live and survive, but continuing to formulate what You know, if you could snap your fingers or you could not fail, what would you do? I really want you to keep developing that muscle. This is the imagined part in my book, which is why it's so hard because our career counselors, our parents, all these practical people who care about us, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: they don't actually live in our brain and our heart. They are looking at us and say, you know, are his clothes clean? And does he have enough food on the table? Once you've got those things met, they can relax a little bit. Your job is to find out what you love in this world and then do everything you can to do that thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So continuing to hone your dream gig, which is where I want i want to go next, um, right. and it is valuable. And you said it yourself, last piece before we go on to your dream job, the last piece is you got a little complacent, also totally natural. Uh, I remember mentoring a guy who's now a very successful, very well-known photographer, friend of mine. He came to me and said, "I got my first. I got a Nike job. I've arrived. I'm a commercial photographer, shooting for Nike. Dream, awesome." And he made a ton of money, and I helped. I coached him through, you know, how much to charge, and he got a shit ton of money. Just like, sweet, yes. Yeah. You know, I have arrived. And then he didn't work for another nine months. That as soon as that job was over, he's like, "Cool, I worked for Nike," and everyone else was like, "Yeah." And then 2008 happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He didn't work for another, you know, nine months.
1: Right. And.
0: This is why this sort of tenacity and this is why doing something that you actually love that gives you energy that you are energized by, even shit's going to get hard. It does for everybody across every discipline. But this is why choosing something that you actually love is valuable because you will need all of that energy to keep going. And it, it is natural to get complacent. And the less time you can spend in complacency, and the more time you can work with what I like to have is long-term patience, short-term urgency. I'm willing to do a lot of hard work to get to my dream job, and yet I need to get another gig tomorrow so I can keep learning and keep honing my skills and keep bettering my craft.
1: Right. Okay, no, that's that's, that's put a pin that in that. And I want
0: to go n- n- since we've been having this discussion, right. What I find is that people are occasionally shy and overly self-aware about if you could snap your fingers if you were guaranteed not to fail, what job would you want? It's a tough question to answer in front of a hundred thousand people who are listening. <laughs> Do you have you know, is there something that you could say to yourself right now? with a certain degree of honesty that you are interested in, that if you could snap your fingers and would not fail, what would you want to be?
1: Um, I would want to work with Nike. Okay. That's, I think, what got me started in a lot of these things. Um, and I think that was something that I had initially, like, kind of looked at as uh, achievable, but far away goal that I mm-hmm. think um, 100% like working not just for Nike on like a one off uh campaign for example but like working with them for like an extended amount like on on maybe on retainer or something like sure. that that's something that I think was far and way beyond that if okay. I got there I would be like okay that's one step I don't think it's a end goal for me I think sure you don't have by, to by no means you could, I think everyone you keep learning right but um You do Uh, not have to see
0: the whole staircase, but having something to shoot at is valuable. So let's now deconstruct. I got to scoot here in a few minutes, but let's deconstruct what it would take to work long-term for Nike. Hmm. The way I would approach this is cool. What are the different ways that you could work for Nike? Well, you could be an employee there. I mm-hmm. mean, um, like, oh, employee, you know, I just went through this whole thing about, you know, being self employed and I like my freedom and I like the ability to make more money than a fixed salary and blah, blah, blah. Cool. Their Nike then hires all sorts of other agencies to do creative work for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your job then is to research who's their agency of record, who anytime you see a Nike campaign, you know, it's like you see the new, you know, Yeezy whatever, Yeezy's come out and then, okay, cool. Who designed them? Who, right. what company did this designer start and, or who did the creative for the new shoe release? Like you can literally just type into Google who did the creative on the new Easy campaign or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you start to build a constellation around Nike of all of the different players, the people, the agencies, the creators and the entrepreneurs that work with, serve, collaborate with Nike you go, you you then try and get gigs with them, either jobs in the mm-hmm. case of an ad agency, or you try and freelance for the photographers, the filmmakers, the creators who are actually doing the work with the company. Because again, what do you do? This is, you're putting yourself all the other, you're around all the other buses that are going by.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's how you do it. That was how it would be how you would get close to Nike.
1: That's yeah, that's a that's a great way of looking at it. I think it's just kind of like giving yourself the steps um, to get to where you want to go. I think that's, I I don't think I ever looked at it that way. And just branching out and being like, okay, almost like in in the same way of networking, like six degrees separation, like how can you get as close to that big goal as possible? I think that's really um, great. For sure.
0: Look, I the questions you've asked you're not alone they're very natural you're the fact that you're organized that you've read my book that you um, are a thoughtful human all of these things <laughs> you are very well equipped more equipped than most to to live the dreams that you're talking about <laughs> there is a lot of work involved and i do not want to i do not want to sugarcoat that which is why i keep saying This is why getting clear on what you really want to be doing in an area that you really are interested in. Like, I think Mm -hmm. you would have a lot more energy in trying to get a job around with collaborating with someone who's working with Nike than a law firm, right? Right? So just look at that example and like, okay, cool. This is exactly why, because it's going to be hard. You're not going to get it the first or second or fifth Mm -hmm. time, but Mm -hmm. truly working, you know, in a creative industry around, you know, with people who work with Nike, that Mm -hmm. gets you closer and you'll have more energy. So, right,
1: no, that's amazing.
0: Um, yeah,
1: appreciate that.
0: Sure. Well, listen here, Ewen. I am super grateful to have met you. I'm I'm out of time. I have got to scoot, but I want you to know that uh, I appreciate you being willing to let us record this show to make it as valuable as others. I do want to give you, you know, twenty seconds here to like tell us how to find out from you you know, who you, more about you. Cause there are people listening who hire creators and most of the people who are early in the industry don't have their shit together like you. So I would, you know, personally, if I'm listening out there and like, huh, I'm in the Boston area and I might want to, you know, hire a creator, give us your credentials, how to find out more about you.
1: Uh, For sure. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. So um, I have an Instagram account. Um, it needs to start back up again. I, I mentioned complacency, so I'm yep. going to be going out to do way more and posting way more and just trying okay. to get myself out there, but it's at yw.visions. I have a website. It's ywvisions.com. But honestly, I think if there's anything I could say, it's that especially from reading a book and, and just also being a different, I've had a bit of time after university to really hone in on what I want. I'm open to yes. So if there's anyone that wants to take me up on that offer, I'd be very happy to jump in on anything
0: appreciate you. We'll package this up. And when we send it out in the world, we'll let you know so that you can uh, uh, go back and reflect on any of the answers that I had. Um, And until then, man, please stay in touch and say hi to Mark next time you speak to him. I appreciate you and your
1: time. I appreciate that, Chase. Thank you so much. Um, uh, Have a good one. Definitely. I
0: will. I will. Until next time, man. All right. That's all for today's show. But hey, before you go, I want to say thank you for listening and also for engaging with the platform. Wherever you consume the show, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere, thank you so much. Reviews help a ton if you're willing to. And I want to let you know in an effort to continue the topics we explore here on the show, or if you have questions, you can always direct your comments to me on all my social feeds. I'm at Chase Jarvis everywhere. But also... I will see your message quicker if you shoot me a text. That's right. I can text directly with you. The best way is to hit me up at 206-309-5177. I get a lot of text, so I can't always get back to you right in the moment. But trust me, those are my thumbs on the other end of the keyboard. So I want to say thanks so much, and I look forward to engaging with you soon.